and welcome to Historical Hysteria. My name is Nicholas Ward, and today we are doing something differently. Normally I avoid contemporary issues, but today I wanted to explore one. The internet never forgets. This simple axiom shapes many young people's lives, and we carefully take to sculpting our social media profiles for respectability, knowing with certainty that the vast amounts of data that we put on the internet are there to stay forever, whether we want it to be or not. But what have I told you, not only is this not true, but that digital information is so impermanent that we may now be living in one of the greatest historical dark ages. Digital information has, over the past 30 years, taken over everything. And every year, more organisations switch to paperless. We are spending millions of dollars digitising archives, libraries and records departments. Because, of course we are. Where microfilm could store thousands of pages in a few square inches, digital can store hundreds of thousands and allow it to be accessed by anyone, anywhere, at any time. But what's the cost? How long does digital information last? Forever, right? I mean, the answer has to be forever. Try five to ten years. The problem with digital hard drives is that they degrade incredibly fast. You can extend the life of a hard drive by using it regularly, but beyond five years, a hard drive is almost worthless for archiving large or important files, and beyond ten, it is a liability. Now, this problem is at the moment largely invisible, because we can keep up a constant rate of using and replacing hard drives, which is part of the problem. Hard drives need to be constantly used to keep them viable. So how do you safely maintain that data long term? You don't. All you can do is keep copying those files into new data banks every 5 to 10 years. Now, for an individual, this risk is low. But for corporations, governments and universities, groups who maintain large and extremely important archives, there is just no way to safely store your data. Take Hollywood. How do multi-billion dollar companies at the pinnacle of tech store their priceless archived films? Massive data banks? Solid state drives? No, they use old school 16mm and 35mm analog film. Even today, movies shot in digital are converted to film to archive. Hollywood studios did briefly try archiving digital, but the costs were so monumental they abandoned them. Physical film is just a stained piece of polyester, and so long as you store it in a cool, dry place, it can last upwards of a thousand years with zero maintenance. And this is why all major archiving organisations, like the Library of Congress, still use film and microfilm. See, digital information has the archival shelf life of warm milk. But we have traded safety for convenience, and today all our information is just 5 to 10 years away from disappearing. Even short interruptions to power grids or global trade networks could be catastrophic for global data. One of the only ways to store data info long-ish term is magnetic tape. Magnetic tape can very safely and easily be archived for 30 to 40 years. It's fairly cheap. The expensive part is the special equipment you need. However, a couple square inches of magnetic tape can hold tens of terabytes of information, and even when corrupted, info on magnetic tape can often still be saved. So, why aren't we using magnetic tape to store digital info? Well, we used to. They were called VCRs and floppy disks. Some companies like Google are still backing up some of their data on magnetic tape, However, in the long term, the few decades that magnetic tape lasts is still pretty pathetic from an archival standpoint. 
and you run into the next major issue in our growing digital dark age, digital obsolescence. Any information today still left on floppy disks is pretty much gone. Most people don't have floppy disk readers anymore, and all that info is just going to corrupt or go in the bin. CD-ROM drives are likewise disappearing. Even hard disk drives are moving on with interfaces shifting from USB-A's to USB-C's and the prevailing disk getting replaced with solid state drives. In 10 years, if you don't constantly update your storage, all of your data might become completely unreadable simply from technological obsolescence. Digital obsolescence is a huge threat to contemporary record keeping and one of the chief concerns of academics, archivists and tech professionals fretting about modern archiving and the digital dark age. It has become the pet project of Google Vice President Vint Cerf. Cerf wants to archive outdated software and hardware, creating x-ray blueprints of outdated hardware like floppy disk readers, then storing them in the cloud so that future generations always have the option to recreate these machines and read outdated formats. The Internet Archive is another group who are trying to tackle the problems of digital obsolescence. The Internet Archive claims to have archived over 500 billion web pages. Their founder, Brewster Kale, founded the nonprofit in 1996 with the humble goal of becoming the repository of all knowledge. And over the last two decades, his nonprofit has done some truly remarkable work digitizing 28 million books, 14 million audio recordings, six million videos, three million images, and 500,000 software programs, and 100 life-size ceramic figures of the employees of the archive. At their headquarters in San Francisco, his team has assembled a vast collection of old tech, microfilm, cassettes, records, and basically whatever else takes their fancy. Like Surf, their idea of preventing the digital dark age from obsolescence is to preserve the tech and software of every generation so that obsolete files can always be read. Which is great, but of the iceberg that is the digital dark ages, the part that is digital obsolescence is not the part sticking out of the water, but a single snowflake on the mountain of an iceberg the size of Wales. See, many archivists and tech professionals are quietly sounding the alarm that the massive and unstoppable move to digital could very easily be catastrophic, because there are so many events which could plausibly wipe out worldwide digital records permanently. A solar flare, a nuclear blast, power surges, deliberate attacks, natural disasters, even just time could all spell complete annihilation for massive amounts of global data. Because let's go back to that idea by Vint Cerf of archiving using the cloud to future-proof data. The cloud's not real. The cloud is just massive data banks stored around the world. Virtually all of Google, Microsoft, and Apple's cloud storage is stored in San Francisco Bay, and those magnetic tape archives of Google are largely stored in Silicon Valley. And San Francisco happens to be one of the least geographically stable places on the planet, lying dead on the San Andreas fault line. Even just a temporary interruption to the maintenance of data banks due to anything from economic problems to natural disasters could have devastating effects on digital information. But you know, earthquakes are one thing, but what are the odds of long-term power cuts without natural disasters? Oh, hello year 2000 Enron. What's that? You're off to manipulate California's power network and you're going to trigger rolling blackouts across California? Well, good for you. Burn, baby, burn. Currently, data banks require near constant maintenance to keep them functioning. And five years is just not a long period of time. How much of your data would you lose if Apple, Google, and Microsoft lost 
all of their cloud storage. Now, just losing cloud storage probably wouldn't cripple the world. But digital data is generally recorded using magnetic recording. And do you know what destroys magnetic recordings? Powerful magnetic fields. Which is why when my new magnetic super weapon comes online, the world will tremble before my might. <laughs> Bow down, peasants. Sorry, those are my <clears throat> those are my other notes. Today, when organizations want to wipe data, they stick them in special containers and hit them with a powerful electromagnetic pulse, an EMP, which completely wipes them. If you're wondering how common EMPs are, EMPs are everywhere from the spark of a car battery to lightning, to nuclear explosions. A nuclear bomb triggers an EMP, and if detonated in the atmosphere, the resulting EMP would be strong enough to knock out power grids and data across an entire continent. Unsurprisingly, militaries are working on weaponizing this. But Nuclear war can seem like one of those faraway future things that we don't need to worry about right now. But you know what's not a faraway problem? Solar flares and solar storms. A solar flare is an explosion of energy from the sun, and when this energy hits the earth, it can have devastating effects on electronics. Normally, solar flares are too small to interfere with day-to-day -day tech, but not always. The largest solar storm on record, the 1859 Carrington event, was so powerful there were auroras over Hawaii and it knocked out telegraph systems around the world, setting the cables on fire. The world's most recent major solar storm was in 2003, causing damage to power networks around the world, and a small solar storm in 1989 saw 6 million people lose power for 9 hours. But do you want to know what's even more terrifying? Of course you do. In 2012, a solar storm the same size as the one in 1859 missed Earth by just nine days. Do you know what the effects of a storm like that would be in the 21st century? Research by the Atmospheric and Environmental Research Inc., an environmental consultancy firm, estimated the economic cost of the storm would have been between 600 billion and 2.6 trillion US dollars for the United States alone, and the American Northeast Corridor would have suffered long-term blackouts ranging from 16 days to two years. If that wasn't terrifying enough, its report opens with this, quote, a Carrington-level extreme geomagnetic storm is almost inevitable in the future, end quote. Another study a year later by UC Berkeley and China's State Key Laboratory of Space Weather estimated it would have taken the world between 4 and 10 years to recover from the damage. And that is only of the largest storms that we know of, because an even larger storm is entirely possible. Oh, and did I forget to mention that in a strong enough EMP, not only would world power grids and your electronic devices get destroyed, but your car wouldn't work either. But how would the destruction of electronics disrupt a mechanical internal combustion engine? Well, it wouldn't. What it would destroy is the computer that your car needs to run. See, almost all modern cars' computers are so integrated into their operating that they literally cannot function without them, turning your car into an expensive lawn ornament. And here you thought the worst consequence of the digital dark age was losing your half-finished novel. No, no, no. Worst case scenario is almost complete economic and social collapse, 
because imagine trying to coordinate providing food for the world without cars, phones, the internet, computers, most planes, or trains. Unsurprisingly, researching this took me deep into the realms of survivalist forums, full of hilariously made up statistics, like one I kept coming across, which said experts estimate within 18 months of an EMP attack, 70 to 90% of Americans would be dead. Dun dun dun. I added the dun dun dun, but I was curious about these figures and I did a bit of digging and I found it was from a group called United West, whose mission goal is dedicated to defending and advancing Western civilization against the kinetic and cultural onslaught of Sharia Islam. And they're experts? What research did they conduct? They didn't say, but I'm sure it's totally factual and not at all some BS they pulled out of their Islamophobic asses. But let's get back to the digital dark ages, because an Armageddon level EMP would not be necessary to trigger massive data loss. As we've become more dependent on digital, we have started shielding hard drives against minor EMPs. But the only way to properly shield electronics from EMPs is to use a Faraday cage, which just isn't a large scale solution leaving all of our digital data completely at the mercy of fate. Like an earthquake, a colossal solar storm could happen at literally any second. Yeah, that really makes the Internet Archive and Vint Cerf's plan to back up digital data using digital data seem kind of dumb, doesn't it? As we prioritise digital more and more, the historical implications of that become increasingly catastrophic. And it is entirely possible we today, right now, are living in what will be one of the greatest black spots in history. But before you panic and start carving all your tweets into stone, there is hope, and a few archivists have banded together to create doomsday-proof archives. Norway's famous Doomsday Seed Vault has now built an archive deep in an old mineshaft where companies and governments can pay to archive their digital files by the millennia. How do they do it? They imprint QR codes onto analog 35mm film. However, even if every human disappeared tomorrow and a million years passed, leaving even those doomsday archives as nothing but dust, there would still be one archive left on the planet. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is designed to have identifiable faces on it for a minimum of 2.4 million years. So, in 2.4 million years, when the slug people begin populating the Earth, we can take comfort that Mount Rushmore is going to confuse the ever-living crap out of them. But there is one more hope for archives that promises not just to imprint data for thousands or even millions of years, but billions of years. Crystal storage. If you're a sci-fi fan, this will probably already sound familiar. Crystal storage has been a favourite of sci-fi for decades, but as with all good science fiction, it is based on real science. Crystal storage, or 5D optical storage, is a process of permanently writing digital information into fused quartz. And don't ask how because I don't know. Crystal storage was first seriously proposed in the 1990s and the very first information successfully imprinted into quartz was demonstrated in 2013 by the University of Southampton. The university produced a series of discs about the size of a CD which can contain 360 terabytes of information and can be stored for up to 14 billion years at temperatures up to 180 degrees Celsius and withstand half a ton of pressure. Hell yeah, the future is now! Unsurprisingly, archival groups are now champing at the bit to get access to this tech for their own files. But that may be a long way off. 
because this is a brand new technology. For instance, though the claim is that the data will last billions of years, Microsoft's own crystal storage project is aiming for the more modest time frame of 10,000 years. Likewise, the claim that each disk will hold 360 terabytes is very theoretical at the moment, because all the current demonstrated copies hold information like the Magna Carta, the UN Declaration of Human Rights, books, things like that, which are only a few kilobytes of data. Also, the term 5D data storage is a uh, marketing. Unsurprisingly, the hype is outstripping reality. At the moment, costs from equipment to power to materials is astronomically high, so don't expect crystal storage in your laptop anytime soon. In theory, crystal storage will be the archival material of the future, but at the moment it seems to be a little different to the gold records sent out on the Voyager spacecraft. People much smarter than I am seem very confident, however, that this is a technology that will only get better. So in a few decades, we will hopefully have long-term effective digital archiving that will essentially last forever. But at the moment, we don't. And our best large-scale archiving is still microfilm. And all of our data is still very much at the mercy of an uncaring and unforgiving world. That is all we have time for today. Thank you for joining me. Before I go, I'll leave you with this. In 2009, the internet in South Africa was beaten by a homing pigeon, which transported 4 gigabytes of data 60 miles in 2 hours, while the state's broadband took nearly 10 times longer to move the same data. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and check out our socials, r slash historicalhysteria on Reddit, and at manichistory on Twitter. I hope wherever you are, you have a great day out there. Bye. Thank you.